Well, welcome to Bombadil's Porch. We are glad that you can join us today. We are once again sitting on the porch. Uh, two Christian dads and one one interloper. One he's, frequent he's... interloper who is also a Christian. Yes. Hopefully he's a Christian. Soon to be dad. That's right. Lord willing. Lord willing. <laughs> uh, which is actually pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. But it is uh, Caleb Klontz and me, Chris Martin, and Ben Daly, who once again joins us in Nate's absence. He is jet-setting around doing yeah. doing important Nate things. He's yeah. going to Believe Land. <laughs> Hey, just I'm going to do this. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but um, you guys, uh, you guys have uh, Ben and Kelly have set up their uh, their site for uh, for yeah, somebody wanted you, to help uh, support your adoption. Are you down with putting the word out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean we're down for putting the word out. All right, yeah. So it's uh, tell us about Operation <laughs> Make Ben a Dad. That's right, Make a Dad, Ben a Dad. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. Uh, we started this oh, almost six months ago. Uh, the adoption process. And so now it's come to full fruition and we are so close to sitting in the waiting pool, waiting for a birth mom to choose us. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, part of that process was we had to set up some fundraisers cause, uh, adoption is expensive. Um, it's between anywhere from 35,000 to $50,000, depending that's just kind of in fees and, uh, other processes. And then that doesn't even include most likely travel mm. and renting a mm. home and place to stay in while we were waiting for the kid and all that. But mm-hmm. all that being said, yes. So we have uh, adoptionbridge.org, adoptionbridge.org. And then you can just search, search for Ben and Kelly. And uh, Caleb did it earlier. And actually we were like one of the first families yeah, you're on, on the there. front page when I looked it up earlier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, if anybody wants to know this listening daily is not spelled how you think it is. <laughs> that is <true>. not. <laughs> So <laughs> that's true. That's always the fun part. It's spelled spell it yeah. slowly. Yeah, right. slowly. D O E H L E. Hooked on phonics does that's not going to help you on this <laughs> one. Right. There so. is no, uh, there is no A in that last name, but somehow they yeah. put it in there. It's German. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. So, but, but yeah, no, we're 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 excited. We're putting the word out, and uh, hopefully, we'll do a, a concert with another couple that she herself was fostered to adopt, and we're going to do that here at our church here at Valley Bible Church on April, uh, not April. Let's see, we're in March, April, May, May seventh mm-hmm. okay. at seven p.m. Um, where we're going to do a kind of another fundraiser option, but listen to good piano music and things like that. So yeah, cool. yeah it'll be fun. It's, it's a fun process and it's kind of, uh, strange at the same time. Like, wow, we've kind of worked and done a lot of paperwork and all different things and people probing into your life and lifestyles. And <laughs> <laughs> now we're just going to sit and wait. <laughs> yeah. Super excited for you guys though. I know it's been a, a dream for a long time mm-hmm. and it's coming to fruition and mm-hmm. I know our family has been blessed tremendously by adoption yeah. and as Christians uh, we are all about adoption because mm-hmm. otherwise we're not Christians <laughs> that's, that's right. and so uh, yeah very thankful that that'll be Lord willing a part of your family story very soon as well so pop on out there um, you can help the dailies out uh, with some of the support because it is it is a I'm I, I almost want to say obscenely expensive. <laughs> uh, it seems yeah. like that. If you're going to subsidize something in this country, Man, like, yeah. shouldn't, it, wouldn't it be adoption? <laughs> it should be. Uh, but it is actually a, a pretty significant, in many cases, outlay uh, to, to bring that to pass. And if you can support them, um, and that would be in your heart to do so, that'd be a great, mm-hmm. a great thing to do. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, adoption, however, is not the only thing. That uh, that Mr. Daly uh, has become an expert in of late. Uh, also, he's been quite the reader. Uh, <laughs> Trying to keep this, up with you this guys. This guy devours books like nobody's <laughs> business lately. Uh, and and one book that he's been going through has drawn his attention to a certain Mr. C.S. Lewis. And and just uh, here's the here's the random pop quiz. Ooh, what do the C and the S stand for? Ooh. I know. You know, is it of course. Clive? Yeah. Ooh. It is Clive. Yes. It's Clive. 50% there. Okay. Clive. For some reason, I want to be like Stapleton. You are <laughs> really close. Shorten it. Staple? Staples. No, Staples. Plural. Yep. Clive <laughs> Staples Lewis. Yep. Linda wouldn't yep. let me name one of our kids that. So. <laughs> Obviously, kind of one of those titans of, of Christian thought, especially in the uh, coming to the 20th century. Uh, Christianity Today just yesterday, well, actually, no, just today, uh, put it out 
uh, an article called C.S. Lewis was a modern man who breathed medieval air. And I think it's a good way to describe him as somebody who who definitely lived in the in the age of of uh, emergent modernity, saw very clearly uh, what that was and for what it was, uh, described it, uh, but also somebody whose soul was full of medieval air uh, as an as a scholar, as an expert in in that time period and in that literature, and and just made it a very conspicuous effort on his part, along with some of his friends like Tolkien, to re-enchant uh, especially uh, the British peoples. That was mm-hmm. his goal. And others have undertaken that that goal for other people groups. But he wanted to make England uh, a magical place again. Uh, that'd be a, here's a great slogan. Make America magical again. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, mama. Like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. We need to make some mama hats. Mama. <laughs> mama. So we'll get on that. Was, but, it, was it ever magical? Yes. Oh, had we had we lost some of our? I mean, by the time mm. the by the time I mean, I know it was magical at some point for some peoples, but by the time no. the the Puritans came, were they you know, and and a lot of the early American, you know, was it was there still that kind of that spark and magic, or was it just? I know there was undiscovered yeah. things, but was it the same? It was not the same. No, yeah, because I mean, Luther, like he still had that, you know, like he did. Mm. Very much so. Too much so. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. But but he, he was to excess where we are to complete lack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, even yeah. even traveling through Europe, there is a sense of mm. still of, of wonder. And, you know, there's castles and, you know, all the, when you think of fairy tales, the you know, they, they didn't happen anywhere yeah. on the North American, like. <laughs> continent they all happened well, in like over there the in their histories right well, and yeah. that's where i think we 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 would actually do well in some cases to reacquaint ourselves with a lot of the myth and lore of the people groups who were here first mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah because you you have to be in contact with a land for a long time mm. um in the right kind of headspace <laughs> to yeah. produce that kind of mythology. Hmm. And so there, there actually, there is a pretty deep well of, of North American myth, mm-hmm. um, but it's just not from European people groups because sure. yeah. we weren't here at the time. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to talk with uh, Evan, Evan Burns, uh, just mm-hmm. because he's got some in with the n- n- native people up in Alaska. And be interesting yep. to hear that. Like, there's some up there, yeah. but even yeah, there's there's West Coast uh, the the tribal groups that were out here. They have some very distinctive myth flavors from those that were on the East Coast. The South is like a whole different thing. All the wow. Pue- the Pueblo region, very unique, very different hmm. mythologies down there. Uh, maybe a little shout out here would be appropriate to authors like Andy Wilson, who have tried to do for America what guys like C.S. Lewis were doing in hmm. in England hmm. and tried to tried to tell uh, uh, fanciful mythical stories, but drawing off of uh, of our local uh, mythologies, not making it sound like another Harry Potter, but uh, pulling from the stories that are deep in the soil that we live in. And so I, I do think that uh, from a Christian worldview, we can look at the, the paganism, we can look at the idolatry and go, eh. <laughs> but we can also see... See stories that are full of a love of place and an appreciation for the unique atmosphere of place, and and that's a valuable addition, I think, to to our experience. But uh, before we get too far down into the, the dirt <laughs> yes. here in America, we need to return to uh, Lewis. return to Mister Lewis mm-hmm. and uh, an interesting book that uh, you were reading, Ben, and and yeah. raised some fun questions. So take it away. Yeah, no, it was just kind of interesting. It was um, I'm just reading a book right now uh, to prepare for uh, the Holy Week, and so Palm Sunday, uh, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And so this book was just kind of a collection of all of C.S. Lewis's works, just different books that he's written, and they just take little snippets of it. Um, they have a couple of uh, Bible passages at the beginning, read those passages, and then read the snippet. So uh, don't call it a devotional. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a... I think I, well, it's I think a it reader. Is. It's, it's a C.S. Lewis reader. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of, I, I, but I think it is. It's like Easter devotions to prepare your heart or something okay. or something like that. <laughs> so, nice. But, you know, it's got C.S. Lewis. So, you, right. know, you know, it's, it's got to be, it's it's gotta be got, good. That's right. Yeah. So. Because um, all of his views on the atonement and such are super orthodox. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> <laughs> so but he raises uh, in one of the days, I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday, uh, but he was just talking about. 
um, judgment and how as believers, we shouldn't actually fear judgment. And there's a different perspective on how, um, the Jews view judgment and how believers, Protestants, um, and even today Christians view, uh, judgment now. And so he kind of just threw out these differences of now we view judgment as like, Oh no, you're in trouble. Hide. Um, it's not good. You feel bad. Oh, woe is you kind of poor aspect of it. Um, which isn't necessarily wrong or bad to have that. But, um, he was talking more about the, in the Jewish culture, especially, um, the Jews saw it as no, this is actually a good thing if judgment comes because, um, they're going to save the, the judgment saves us. And it's actually, it, we need to look forward to that because they, they were, they were looking forward to when God does return. Um, uh, and so CS Lewis, he brings up the idea of judges, the book of judges and the fact that those were champions, they weren't there to, uh, condemn or bring you down or to, to judge necessarily the nation of Israel in that regard. Wait, so you're saying Samson <laughs> never sat, Behind a bench with powdered <laughs> wig right. and gavel. No, no, never did. No, so he did have a, I assume that's what the jawbone was for, right? That's it was, right. That was, that was that he was the first judge to do that. Was that <laughs> set the precedence there? Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, so it's just kind of an interesting concept to think about as believers. Not that the first what I mentioned earlier that not that you can't feel bad or like terrified about being judged because you're on the, I mean, if you're on the wrong side of history, as far as if you don't believe in God, yeah, (laughs) um, that could be, I mean, then yeah, you have a right to fear because God's going to come back and judge. And there is something to fear about that. Absolutely. But, um, for the Jews and that culture, the judge was actually to, um, was to come and save, um, we're going to vindicate and we're going to make this right. What is wrong? Hmm. Um, and so just this idea is we prepare our hearts and our minds for good Friday and Easter. A lot of people look at the cross, either we're going through Corinthians right now at the church, but they either look at it as foolishness or they look at like, wow, that's something to be pitied. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was Jesus? He couldn't save himself from the cross where, C.S. Lewis was making this argument like, no, he, he's the judge. He's this perfect judge kind of capturing that medieval thought of even like a, a white knight or someone coming and saving. So like the cross is actually the pinnacle of victory. I mean, and a lot of believers know that, but do you understand like, or for me, I guess it was just not all of us, but me, it was just interesting to see as no, that he was also being a judge there. Mm. Christ was actually being judged a judge on the cross, well, being on the cross. Like he was actually saving us. Like that is something that, um, uh, he came to fulfill and save us from. So he's actually a white knight. That's like the pinnacle of our fate. Like that is where the, he saves the damsel in distress as it were kind of this idea that CS Lewis loves to play off of. So, um, I don't know. So just, I, that, that's just kind of something that's kind of been running through my mind as I've kind of been thinking this week and just kind of a, a different perspective again, and, and just more, I guess, Open it up to the floor as thoughts or uh, other to the, to the porch to the porch. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Not the floor, the porch. <laughs> you guys, just other thoughts on on that or or dive in deeper with kind of the Jewish culture and kind of how they saw that. But it's just kind of interesting how we don't, um, you know, Oh, I'm scared of being judged. And, and, and yeah, that's not wrong. Ready to think about it either. But the fact that Christ is also a judge and like, I don't know, the cross is the pinnacle of it all of where it all happened. Um, just right. kind of a cool idea. <clears throat> I heard the Reverend Klontz had some thoughts. He, he did. We shared it. Early. I shared it earlier. Oh, yeah. Those are right. <laughs> if you had to go by an obtuse honorific, an obtuse. What, what what would you would you be like the the honorable Klontz, the the right Reverend um, Father Klontz? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Friar. Friar. I like that. That's good. That works. Friar Clons. Well then, Friar Clons. I'm not sure. Uh, Anyway. Uh, yeah, what was I, what did I say earlier, Ben? I was trying to remember what you were talking about. was good. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just talking more to the, yeah, to that view, um, you know, of, of judgment. I mean, you've already mentioned that, but, uh, kind of being, being a positive thing and, uh, and for, I mean, for us as believers, it should be too. We often don't think of it that way, but, but, you know, there's a, there's a, a sense in which, you know, judgment is, is good if it, if it's, you know, in other words, like the Holy Spirit convicting of sin. Mm-hmm. We don't want to face God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, we will, you know, we don't want to be, 
faces wrath, right? But uh, but a certain no, aspect no, of judgment. We <laughs> no, we don't. No. So, but uh, but the idea that that judgment also purifies, right? So, like mm-hmm. even for the people of Israel, in the sense that that you know when 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 they were judged, and when you know when God brought all sorts of judgments against the people of Israel, there was there was a refining sometimes happening there. Uh, you know where we're yeah, there were people that were because of sin were um, weren't going to make it. Right. But, but that was always a, a kind of a refining. And I think for the believer too, um, you know, I, we did this thing uh, a few years back with the middle school, you know, there was a, the big theme was judgment, you know, don't yes. judge me or whatever. And we, you know, had the, the judgments or the something. Judgments, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but the, the whole, the whole idea there, you know, that, you know, that, you know, it's not don't judge me, but the idea that, that, you know, brother or sister calling a sin out in your life mm-hmm. and, and, and approaching you. I mean, we should actually welcome that, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, it may be, it may be painful and it may, there may be some things we have to deal with that we don't like that are uncomfortable. But the reality is, is that we should desire to be holy, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if the end result is that we are more like Christ and that we're able to have, you know, a, a greater, um, level of, um, victory over sin in our lives and that sort of thing. I mean, then we should welcome that, right? I mean, uh, and so um, I think that's kind of what I was. Yeah, no, that where, was yeah. where I was headed with some of that. I think there was another thought along those lines, but I don't really remember what it was. Um, but I think it's a weird place to be in as a Christian when it comes to the topic of of judgment, because uh, as you know, as uh, Lewis was describing, and there's judgments in different senses. There's the the judgment of what you might call discernment, which is simply judging this to be good or bad, right? And I have made judgment that this is a good thing, right? So there's a discernment kind of judgment. And uh, and then there's the you know, various other flavors leading up to the ultimate judgment, which is the destruction of that which is unjust, right? Mm. Uh, the, the bringing to ruin of all of all that is uh, opposed to righteousness. And, and that's... Um, foreshadowed in places like the book of judges uh which as much as it foreshadows deliverance it also really rubs in the fact that nobody on this planet's able to be a suitable judge right <laughs> yeah uh, we're too flawed to be the judge and all of our judgments are temporary uh but mm-hmm. it's weird as a as a christian because there's a part of us that, uh, in, in Romans eight kind of language groans and longing for the judgment, uh, mm-hmm. for the freeing of this world from what is broken. And yet it's, it's weird to sort of also live in the reality of, but it, it should have been me that was crushed. Um, and, and so it's, there's, I don't know, there's some tension there. I, I want evil to be destroyed and removed. And, and yet, uh, there's a, there's a hesitance there because I know if it hadn't been for the grace and mercy of God, that would have and should have been me getting removed out of the equation. Mm. I know that even today, if it weren't for the, the forgiveness that I still have in Christ for my ongoing sin, my ongoing, uh, my ongoing, uh, expression of the flesh that would still be deserving of destruction mm-hmm. apart from Christ, uh, that that I would not be a part of the the happy ever after. Um, and you look at a, at a world, and and there's that realization, man, this brokenness needs to stop. And yet also, how sobering to realize what that means, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That it, it does mean so many others, no more foul, in some cases much less foul than I, uh, pass into that judgment of ruin when that day comes. And so I think there always, in some ways, needs to be a tension as a Christian between Maranatha, you know, come Lord Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, make this thing right. Mm -hmm. And also, um, until that day comes, Lord, would you please, (laughs) would you please make your gospel effective? Would Mm -hmm. you please Mm -hmm. be gracious? Would you please save uh, the elect and bring Mm -hmm. them in? uh, Our children, our family, our loved ones, our neighbors, Mm -hmm. um, our enemies. Uh, Would you continue to add to that number? So that mm-hmm. there, there may be many uh, trophies of your grace that can worship you when mm. you do bring the great ruin. But the, one of the things that the Jews fell into repeatedly and that Jesus calls them out for and the prophets kept calling them out <laughs> for was sort of this this pride that they deserved the, the vindication. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And and God has to keep telling them, you know, some of the things that you want vindication from are punishments, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. for you right. being a covenantally mm-hmm. unfaithful people, mm-hmm. and yeah. you deserve judgment. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for my loving kindness mm-hmm. that is everlasting, you would be destroyed mm-hmm. utterly. And uh, and so I think that was a temptation to the Jew was to say, because I'm a Jew. I'm on, like you said, on the right side of history mm. and let the rest of the world burn. Mm. Yeah. And as Christians, we just dare not, dare right. not go there. As Paul yeah. warns us, uh, you know, mm. Romans 10 and 11, uh, if you've been grafted into this whole grace project, careful, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. careful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was reminded of uh, the end of first uh, Peter four, uh, when we were talking about judgment earlier, um, <clears throat> just that, those, those verses, I'll read them actually, just because oh. might as well. Yeah. Hey, but, uh, the, the best part of the porch today, right here. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You, you know that the, the, the following words are true. The rest may not be, because uh, <laughs> yeah, right. it's from God's word. Begin uh, quote. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you uh, for your testing, as though some strange thing were mm-hmm. happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief (laughs) or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, Mm. but is to glorify God in his name, in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Amen. That whole... What? Judgment to begin with the household of God, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that and that's a book that has some extra oomph when you consider sort of the context it yeah. was being written to. This was not uh, this was not an easy culture uh, to to live that kind of life in. But if our faith is indeed tested in that way, as though by fire, and is found to to result. In, in that demonstration of, of, of pure faith, it will, will result in joy inexpressible and full of glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, then, and that is a place where the Christian should eventually come to. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I do like as Easter comes up, um, we sometimes, it seems like we want to paint the cross as an underdog story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. And, and there's a twist there. There's certainly mm-hmm. a plot twist, but as Christians, we shouldn't replay it as the poor little guy getting picked on, right? Uh, as we recall, even if that's what it looked like from the outside mm-hmm. as it was playing out in time and space was the Jews in Rome picking on this nice man. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what was actually happening was was something so cosmically powerful that <laughs> there is no word in any language for mm-hmm. it. Uh, and and to have that sense of here comes the hero and he <laughs> he has come to judge right and and the judgment is based on that decisive act uh, and and the rest of history flowing from there is in anticipation of the other shoe dropping right and I I think some of that that is hopeful to us as Christians living today. Uh, living in uncertain times, uh, seeing even persecution coming closer and closer to us here in the West, uh, it can sometimes feel like dread. Uh, you know, there, there's that evangelical angst, the dread that uh, our our politicians and our governments and our countries may turn against us soon. But there's hanging in the air the other foot of judgment, <laughs> you know, from <laughs> right. the Almighty King of Kings. Yeah. Uh, and it is, in fact, his kingdom that will reign forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Any other thoughts on on that topic, Mr. Lewis, et cetera? Mm. I don't think so. <laughs> yep. A good reminder to get back into our Old Testaments more, um, to see there all the foreshadowing that God had of the Messiah. I think it takes 39 
Old Testament books for God to set up a a full appreciation and anticipation of Christ and his coming. And as we even looked at, at our our text in Romans last night with our high school ministry mm. uh, in chapter 15, verse four of Romans, when, when Paul reminds the people in Rome there that in former times, all these things were written, this whole, this whole old Testament canon that you have, it was written for your instruction so that by perseverance and the encouragement of scripture, you would have hope. Mm. Uh, and I, I do think we sometimes have a, a, a flattened uh, hope you know, as new Testament believers who mm-hmm. come out of traditions that have perhaps, emphasize the new Testament to the exclusion of the richness of the old Testament. And I I know those seasons in my life um, where I've been either required or allowed to uh, have a lot more investment in the old Testament uh, through schooling or studying in Israel or these sorts of things. It made Jesus come to life Mm. so much more Mm. because you, you just began to see over and over, not in an allegorical hermeneutical way, Mm. but that, Yes, indeed. The whole Old Testament is setting up a question to which the answer is Jesus. And um, have you, do you guys ever see that old kids book called, um, Are You My Mother? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure. The little bird walking. Yep. <laughs> are you yeah. my mother? Right. And it feels a little bit like the whole Old Testament is, are you my Messiah? <laughs> nope. <laughs> are you my Messiah? Nope. But in each case, like it's like, but the Messiah has to be a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. The Messiah does need to be a king. The Messiah does need to be a judge. Mm-hmm. The Messiah does need to be a deliverer. The Messiah does need to be a shepherd. The Messiah does, you know, on and on and on. But not like that. But not like that. <laughs> but not like that. He needs to be so much more. He needs to be so much more. And that whole crescendo that builds then through the exile and the return and that sense of anticipation. And so then when Jesus shows up, uh, you know, what, what an experience must it have been for someone like Paul who could just reach out and touch every story of the old Testament at the tip of his memory, you know, and, um, to just watch, you know, all those categories just sort of drop into place at once. And, uh, uh, we wish, wish you could have uh, experienced something like that. And as, as Christians, um, we miss a lot when we don't dig into our Old Testament and and see Jesus prefigured there in mm-hmm. so many ways. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to use that. Uh, that are you my mother? I like that. <laughs> are you my Messiah? <laughs> I like that. Is there a way we can like copyright that or like make our own? Like <laughs> that is such an American thing of you to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you I'm so thankful that God's not like oh I'm gonna copyright my scripture <laughs> you know um, yep so good question thanks for bringing that up yeah uh, a timely one with Easter mm-hmm. approaching I don't know if, uh, if you guys are picking up on this but it's been interesting to watch especially as the situation in the Ukraine continues to develop uh, a lot more discussion of um, I, either where this whole situation fits into or, or extensions by analogy, uh, to, to more end times things, mm. uh, discussions of the antichrist and of one world orders and, and these sorts of things. It seems like there's every time there's war, um, on the horizon, uh, people stop worrying about a lot of petty things and they start asking the big questions again. Yeah. Uh, are you guys seeing that in your circles? Uh, has this enabled some good conversations mm. uh, in, in the, in the world you're working around in? I don't, I mean, not at this point. What's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I'm also uh, listening to the Bible and trying to get through the Bible in a year, listening okay. that way. And some interesting things that have come up that, but Matthew um, in the gospel of Matthew, uh, the disciples ask him like, you know, when are you, when, when would be, when will the time be that you'll come back again? Or mm. when, when is the end yes. time basically? And, and it was just, it's interesting because it's all he says is, you know, there'll be wars and rumors of war. And, all, and at, at the end of all this description is like, but this is only the beginning. <laughs> and so it's like, well, we're now we heard. So Ukraine was a rumor of war that's turned into a war. 
And it's just like, but this could also just be the that's beginning. Because like, that's, <laughs> like, that's never happened in history before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, well, I mean, it's something to think about and it. it's good. Uh, I haven't, so to answer your question to the original one, but I have not had conversations, no, but it's been interesting to think about that of just trying to put put the cross and put Jesus back at the forefront of the discussion as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, dare I say masks or, you know, <laughs> or something like <laughs> that, but put something back to the forefront. That's like, Oh, the gospel, uh, that's the center of it. And is this the end? Is this the end? Is things going to happen? And we don't know, but let's put Christ and salvation and his story back up front. <laughs> yeah. I mean, big picture, Russia invading Ukraine would have to get way more out of hand before right. we're talking about, <laughs> the kind of global cataclysm that you see in Revelation. And yeah. I'm still a card-carrying pre-meal pre-trib feller, <laughs> which means I believe Jesus could come back right now without anything else having to happen, right. even before Russia invaded the Ukraine. <laughs> right. uh, so there. Yeah. <clears throat> but it is it is interesting to watch as history develops, uh, different pieces falling into place that make you say, mm-hmm. okay, so I see how that could work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and one of the interesting ones I've seen this last week, um, or last couple of weeks as it's been getting more and more coverage is the, the economic isolation component. Uh, you know, we've commented in the past through this pandemic, it was interesting to see a trial run of, of how how much the West is willing to say, sure, I'll trade, I'll trade liberties, I'll trade freedoms in the name of public health, right? Uh, and I'll I'll submit to to mandates and rules and things that would have been just considered unthinkably odious to previous generations, mm-hmm. right? That there's sort of that trial run of what's the West's tolerance for for completely centralized power, and it turns out the answer is. They they tolerate quite a bit, <laughs> you know, mm. a lot more than most people I think an initially thought. Um, there's been some pushback, and I think some of that is because the issue they were using to test was not that compelling, right? Uh, COVID was never going to be something to that could sustain this experiment for too long. But that was significant. It's like, oh, okay, if a centralizing figure rose in a time of real crisis. I think the West actually very well could just buckle and get in line and do so willingly. Hmm. Okay, so that's interesting. Second thing that I've been seeing going on is you, you read in Revelation about just the, the the economic and financial isolation of those who are in Christ and, and those who are just unapproved. And watching the way things have played out with Russia right now, it's been interesting to watch. Hmm. Um, in the past, you know, if you had your your hard assets, your your currency... Uh, those those currencies could still flow back and forth across borders. In many cases, you could still buy and sell. Um, but to see the ability we have in the modern world for international banking systems to push a button and now you're cut off, right? And to see uh, c- major credit card companies say, well, you can't use our card anymore. And, and to realize that assets that are zeros and ones in a computer somewhere are one on-off button away from being inaccessible, Right. And, and all of that representation of all of your wealth is gone. Your ability to, to engage in any kind of financial transaction gone. And this isn't even being done at the governmental level, right? This is being done at the institutional level. These are private institutions following a moral mandate. And, and how easily can that be wielded someday against the Christian when it just becomes morally reprehensible for any private institution to allow, to allow trade, to allow you know commerce with, with those Christians. Um, the government then doesn't even have to raise a finger as it were. You just have to make the spirit of the age one that's hostile and all the institutions will do all that work for you. So that, that was interesting to me. It's like, oh, okay, now I see how that could work. <laughs> and so there's not a lot of other pieces of the of the rise of the Antichrist. How in the world are you going to coordinate communication just to unify a planetary movement? Oh, internet. Okay. How are you going to overcome the language barriers? Oh, also internet. Okay, so <laughs> right. that's going to work. How are you going to mm. get 
Um, the East to comply with this. Well, they've been making the East comply with these things for a couple generations now. So they've already got that on lockdown. How are you going to make the West deal with this stuff? Oh, it turns out the West isn't what the West was. They'll they'll mm. get in line. Uh, there's still question marks about um, the global South. You know, how, where does Africa fit into all this? Mm. South America, places like that. I, I still would be curious to see how some of those regions would respond. Uh, but you're seeing more and more, uh, not just some of the the wars and conflicts and things like that, but actual specific mechanisms. So mm. if they were going, if the Antichrist were trying to take power tomorrow, mm. what what mechanisms are still untested for him to do that? And the answer is not very many anymore. Mm. <laughs> not very many at all. So maybe that means the time draws near. Mm. Or mm. not. <laughs> so it's hard to say. Only the father knows. <laughs> Only the father knows. Yep. Do you want do you want to put your tinfoil hat on and, and, and say something, Caleb? My tinfoil hat? <laughs> yeah. Say something really conspiracy-ish. No. Oh, but I, the, but I that you actually believe. Conspiracy-ish that I believe. Uh oh. Who's the is the Antichrist um alive today? Hmm. Probably not. There you go. You heard it from Caleb first. At least one more generation. I mean, who knows, right? It's, <laughs> it's interesting times, and but the, the, times, the times that we <laughs> live in are interesting times. Yeah. But, but so are most times, I guess. So Yeah. Like C.S. Lewis's time. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Coming out of two world wars, one generation yeah. apart in the same area. Uh, you could see how that was hard to imagine a future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yep. we're not seeing. Yeah, we're not seeing anything quite on that level right now. That yes, yeah, doesn't necessarily. We're not seeing all of the pieces in place for that. Yeah, and that, if the first two world wars proved anything, it's that um, it still takes a very small spark to light a very big barrel of gunpowder. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and there are parts of the world where yeah, where right now. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't take much. There, there are kegs primed yes. and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Powder kegs. Yeah, not and, like beer and, kegs. And you had that weird <laughs> web of of alliances in the Balkans that was a big contributing factor in the past that pulled the big players in. Uh, and you, but you do have things like NATO today that that can easily do the same. Mm -hmm. And so you know, Ukraine is a big question mark at the moment, but uh, there are. Larger nation states like Poland and also smaller nation states uh, all around Ukraine mm. that uh, individually would pose very little risk to uh, a country like Russia, but are in fact tied by alliances to world powers. Mm. And then you're off to the races again. So you can see why caution is being uh, is being exercised. And I think... It's easy sometimes to armchair quarterback these things and get on the case of, you know, why don't you guys just get in there and take care of business already? Uh, a world war is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, and yet at the same time, when, when and where lines have been drawn, those lines need to mean something. And so we're in a very delicate balancing act right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, if you had to predict, by Christmas time, what does this whole conflict look like? Russia has retreated tail between legs, promised to be very nice from now on. Ukraine uh, is now... Uh, Ukraine always has been Russia, <laughs> you know, uh, they're rewriting the history books. Um, and, and Ukraine is just part of Russia. Uh, we're involved in world war three because Russia didn't stop there and their soldiers went and invaded Poland or something like that. Uh, if you had to guess when, uh, when Santa Claus is making his rounds, what's it look like over there? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't think your first options realistic. You don't think Putin's going to go home and play nice? I don't. I don't think so. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's staked too much on on this. What was he called it at the beginning? An operation, peacekeeping mission, peacekeeping mission, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was like. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, he was, he was simply recognizing the independence of, well, that part of the regions. He, and then he needed to do a special military action. Yeah, to special help, military action. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, to help preserve peace. Yeah, there's, he's, he's put pretty much, he's put a lot of his eggs, if not all of them, in this basket right now. And he's, he's, yeah. So anyway, I, yeah, I don't think without foreign involvement that that happens. I think I think by Christmas this is still going on. Or if, domestic involvement. So I think well, that's, the, that's the other or card that you really need yes. to pay attention to is in Russia, if you get to the point where you're more trouble than you're worth. Yes. They have a lot of creative ways of making the problem go away. Yeah, yeah, they, they <laughs> do. Yeah, it, I mean, and that could be potential problem for Putin, but <laughs> I don't know if it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not... Uh, I just I don't think I don't think he goes back that that way. I think okay. I think he'd put in more of a fight. Yeah, I mean I guess he could just go away. That'd be a or yeah or this thing's still kind of going on. Um, I mean I don't know. See by Christmas that's kind of a long time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to see resolution without either it just being Ukraine's gone or. Somehow there's involvement in some way from outside forces other than those two, whether it's NATO or not, or a full-out war or not. Um, mm. You know, everybody keeps kind of tiptoeing around that. You know, the whole, let's, we'll give you jets and, they're, you know, we'll give you jets and you give us <laughs> jets and then the, the their fighters can take these jets. And we, we don't have anything to do with it. I have a feeling yeah. that wouldn't play out great in Putin's mind. I don't think he would not see that as the West getting involved. But the West is involved. <laughs> well, I know. Right, they are. Well, we're He's involved. already said that. He's already said just the sanctions are a declaration of war. Yes. And remember, right. I have nukes. Yes. But, uh, so. Um, yeah. I, in some ways, I think part of me goes really to like Poland with the, with the, the jet stunt. But part of me also feels like Poland r- appreciates a lot more than we do the position that they're in. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways they're calling our bluff. Like we rep, we represent the existential threat that's moving in next door. And so we are willing to give all of our stuff for it. And supposedly like we're all in this together, right? NATO guys. So Clearly, if you've officially announced that you support this decision, then you'll help us carry this Christmas present to the Ukraine, won't you? Mm-hmm. Right? And then America has to either say, yeah, approval means participation, or we say we approve, but we are going to make it very clear that we're maintaining plausible deniability in the sense that we don't actually, we're not willing to participate in these actions at all. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I actually don't fault, fault Poland as much for Mm. doing that. Yeah. Cause I think in some ways, sadly, the words coming out of our mouths right now in in diplomacy in particular mean absolutely nothing to a lot of the world after what happened in Afghanistan. That's true as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Poland's like, okay, before we get Taiwan, (laughs) let's, Let's figure out what our supposed friends actually mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, in this case, delivering MIGs is either okay or not okay. And if we say it's okay, then we should absolutely have no trouble delivering them. And if we're not willing to deliver them, we should say, we think that that's the wrong move. We should condemn it. Yep. But that made for a fun weekend for the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I don't know if you listen to any of those speeches, but I got the I got the vibe that she was told smile and say absolutely nothing. <laughs> was about it. Uh, being a diplomat's gotta be fun sometimes. Well, can I tell them that we're for this idea? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I should tell them I'm against this idea. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I have to talk for fifteen minutes. <laughs> say nothing. Say nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a diplomat. <laughs> yeah, a righteous diplomat has some advantages. Because yeah. you can just speak the truth in love and mm-hmm. let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> but that's difficult to do in a fallen world. Yep. 
All right. Your turn, Caleb. Did you have a topic you wanted to round out today's discussion with? Um, Putting you on the spot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know if I do or not. Is that... <laughs> um, then when we're recording live, that ends up being a de facto no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what I... Uh, what I would, uh, what I would bring up right now. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that could be talked about. I'm looking at the clock on 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm stalling for time. That's yep. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know. We were talking about Ronnie Martin earlier. I like that. That was a fun discussion about Joy yeah, Electric. Joy Electric. Yeah. But. That was, uh. uh an old blast from my high school days. Your high school days. Yeah. But, but Ronnie Martin has new music out. He does. I didn't even know. I know. You didn't know, but I knew. Actually, I didn't know until earlier this week. Then I was like, wow. So if you got your Amazon uh, Prime music or whatever, type in there you go. Ronnie Martin. <laughs> listen to his seven song album. I think it's seven. It's not a... Not a See, for me, uh, Joy Electric always went well with Luna Halo. Okay. Luna Halo was all right. Yeah, Joy Electric. Uh, there were a couple others. Uh, was if you it, liked uh, synthesizers and you felt really happy, you listen to Joy Electric. If you liked synthesizers and you felt a little more mellow, then you could listen to Luna Halo. <laughs> there oh, you go. All right. Yeah. Yeah, those are blasts from the past. Um, yep. But uh, they, neither of them are Mozart. No, you know, um, I, I think I read one time somewhere that uh, that uh, Joy Electric, Ronnie Martin, um, that he actually wrote everything on, uh, on a guitar first, hmm. all of his songs, and then and then would would like so he'd compose the, the song basically, and then go through and 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 do it on the I forget what it was a Moog synthesizer, whatever it was, nice. this specific synthesizer. And I know one of his albums almost got scrapped because he he had actually done all of the work for the album, and then uh, something had gotten deleted off of his, off of his, oh. off the memory off of his, uh, off of his synthesizer, and it was like, oh, what do we do? Oh dear! So I think he mm. ended up stripping it down and doing something simpler. I can't remember all the story, but uh, but that yeah, was that would feel bad. That would feel bad. <laughs> That'd feel <laughs> real bad. bad. So, the moral of that story is back it up, people. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So I believe when he did concerts, he had a drummer with him. And that drummer, I don't remember who he was. Um, but anyway, he also played at a Tom Fest. He played the drums for another band that I like, um, Mortal. But I can't mm. remember. I think it was after they'd become full Zandura. So anyway, there you go. Yeah. Some blast from the past. Full Zender is kind of an interesting band to listen to as well. Don't know if you ever heard them, but uh, so I think it's Ronnie Martin's brother. Isn't he the guy from Starfire Fifty Nine? Did you ever listen to Starfire? Mm -mm, sorry, oh, never mind. Not that I know of. Maybe I did. I don't know it. <laughs> but there All you right. go. There's your there's your uh, porch approved playlist for the week. You can uh, <laughs> dial in your Ronnie Martin slash yeah, Joy Martin. Electric, it is. a little Luna Halo, and Starfire some number. Star Flyer 59. Star Flyer. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Some number. 59. Yeah. 59. There yep. you go. Jason yep. Martin, Star Flyer 59. Yeah. Okay. And keep it on hand just in case you need something to vibe to while the world ends. <laughs> because judgments are coming. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> we should just have you sing us out. There we go. I feel fine. Well, wait a minute now. Well, uh, next week, I wasn't sure if I was going to be on the porch because my sister. My yes. twin sister is going to be in town. We do have a fun oh, announcement. Yeah. I have a twin sister, believe it or yes. not. If you guys didn't know that, she got she all of the beauty and the brains. Like Caleb, minus and I a got, beard. Wait. <laughs> I got all the brawn. Not exactly. Yeah. Uh, she does not look just like me with a beard. No. But <laughs> thankfully for her, she does not look just like me. Um, <laughs> no. She's, yeah. Anyway, uh, she's got the beauty, the brains. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> No, she'll be in town, and she has graciously agreed. So, I mean, it's not next week yet, so we can't predict the future fully. Right. But to, Lord uh, willing. To come on the porch and uh, and chat on our birthday, because we record on Thursdays. So, next Thursday, it'll Which be our also, birthday. 
St. Patrick's Day. It's also St. Patrick's Day. Oh, luck of the Irish. Yeah, luck of the Irish. And so... Um, Wear but, green. Uh, or orange, if you're Protestant. But whatever. <laughs> that's right. Only, only okay. Protestants wearing Catholic colors. Or but anyway. both, because that's the Irish flag. <laughs> green and <laughs> orange. Or both. Both to be safe. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's being like Catholic and Protestant, just in case, right? <laughs> instead of, instead of uh, Pascal's wager, it will be Patrick's wager. There, we go. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so yeah. So hopefully she'll, uh, she'll be here with us and we can talk a little bit about... Uh, Growing up, and uh, some of that you guys can ask all your questions. Yes, I'm looking forward to verifying me. whether half of your stories you've told about your childhood are actually true. It'll be interesting to hear what her <laughs> memories of some of those stories would yes. be, because they may be completely different than my memories, which would be fantastic. And yeah, it would be. It would be, I guess. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's, this is like the first time we've spent a birthday together, by the way, in probably since we were forced to, right? Like, so I don't middle school age, wow, or something. It's time I mean, then. Yeah. So it's timely. It's time. So very gracious of uh, of her husband to send her up here to spend a birthday together and to hang out. So it'll be fun. That will be a fun a fun adventure. Invite uh, you listeners to uh, get involved. Go to bombadillsporch.com and leave us a voicemail or a message of the questions that you think we need to ask Caleb's sister. Uh, to get the story straight. Uh, so that, that should be exciting there if you you'd go. like to. Otherwise, yeah, thank you for joining us today. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to uh, to have these conversations. Uh, thankful to Caleb and to Ben for jumping in in Nate's place. Uh, looking forward to Nate getting back as well. And uh, yeah, the future is, is uncertain. I, I heard recently somebody, uh, yeah, was quoting... I think it was actually watching a clip of Robert Downey Jr. Quote, quoting Chuck Missler again. Oh, yeah. yeah, where he commented the difference between an optimist and a pessimist is an optimist believes the future is uncertain and the pessimist is always right. <laughs> uh, but in this in this case, uh, the the pessimist is not always right because he forgets the judge, right? And mm. and a, a Christian is always an optimist, not because the future is believed to be uncertain, but just for the very fact that future judgment is certain. Mm. And, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for people like C.S. Lewis that draw our minds back to that truth, uh, no matter what the nations are currently up to. And so we wish you all a day uh, enjoying what you're doing, small or great, because it all matters in the end. And uh, here from the porch to you all, we say farewell. Farewell.